0: Today's episode of Market Talk is brought to you in part by GrowMark FS. For over 95 years, we've led the game. Power, we restored it. Protection, we reinvented it. Record yields, we redefined it. If there's one thing we know at FS, it's that just because something hasn't been done doesn't mean it can't be done. We're never satisfied unless we take your farming operation to the next level. Run your equipment at peak efficiency and bust the bins this season. Visit fssystem.com. The views and opinions of this program are those of the host guests and callers. There is substantial risk of loss in trading futures and options, which you should carefully consider prior to trading.
1: Bringing you the ag information you need. This is Market Talk, produced by the American Ag Radio Network. Now, here's your host, Jesse Allen.
0: Well, we saw corn and wheat round out the week higher with pressure in soybeans, bean meal, and bean oil, while the cattle trade took another hit to the downside as well to wrap up the week on Friday. Welcome to Market Talk. Thanks for joining us here today as we talk about what's happening in the markets and issues impacting rural America. I'm your host, Jesse Allen, program brought to you by our friends at GrowMarkFS. Find your nearest FS retailer and all the services they offer online at fssystem.com. Coming up on today's show, we're going to talk markets with Christy Van On. She sits with Van On & Company. She will join us in segment two and three and give us her perspective on the market trade as we uh, wrapped up the week, but also officially started the uh, month of December. Can't believe that it is already uh, December 2023, but it in fact is. And so we talk about uh, that impact on the market as well and more. Uh, we'll have that conversation with Christy Van she She's coming up here in just a little bit. Also, we'll run through some of the closing market numbers uh, here in a second. But first, we got some comments from Ryan Moe uh, with StoneX filling in for Arlen Suderman during our midday commentary on Friday. And Ryan gives us a few thoughts and notes in the grain trade as well as in the energy market. It's been an interesting week uh, in the energies, and the stock market, and more. So let's listen to that conversation from around midday on Friday with Ryan Moe from StoneX, starting with his thoughts in the grain trade.
2: For grains, the big driver is going to be the soybeans here today. When we look across the soy complex, we see oil down, meal down, and those are then going to drag soybeans along with it. Uh, we have a crush report that's coming out here any minute, and that is going to be the catalyst to go ahead and drive us either higher or lower for the rest of the day. Corn and not following along in compassion as it usually has been doing. One has to wonder if there isn't some bottom feeding taking place out there with uh, markets getting hit pretty hard earlier this week.
0: Yeah, I was going to say, this corn market uh, hitting a bottom, wonder if maybe some farmers sold a, a potential low here, possibly, and I know too, wheat bouncing off some uh, some new lows we set early in the week, I, I have to think wheat's maybe helping keep corn a little bit elevated here, Ryan.
2: Yeah, not to get too overly complicated, but a lot of the weakness in corn had a lot to do with the first notice day on December corn, as well as the month end coming into place. And that has a lot of funds making some maneuvers that are otherwise uncommon to the, uh, to the marketplace. And those, uh, those dates are now behind us. And so we'll have to see how corn does from here.
0: Over in the energies in the outside markets, fairly quiet day in the outside markets. The Dow is up a little over 200-some points. The dollar's a little quieter, though. Crude oil's a bit quieter after some volatility this week. But we look at that overall uh, outside market picture. Anything big driving the, driving the markets in your eyes here as we near the weekend? Well,
2: there was an OPEC Plus meeting that took place here earlier this week that turned out to be just a real dud. Uh, They were very careful about signaling to the marketplace what they were intending to do, and they followed through and they did exactly what they said they were going to do. They've probably taken a page out of the Fed's notebook on how to communicate to markets. And that's likely the reason why it didn't really create a lot of fanfare when OPEC Plus dropped their uh, production. Also, it probably gives credence to just how little influence OPEC has on the marketplace in this day and age. Uh, we've seen world production increase in lots of other areas, in definitely the heart of the heart of America here, um, and that has really weakened OPEC's grip on the marketplace in the oil space.
0: And once again, that is Ryan Moe from StoneX filling in for Arlen Suderman for our midday commentary on the day Friday. We do appreciate a few notes from Ryan there. All right, let's take a look at the closing numbers from Friday's session uh, here. As we saw again, cord and wheat had an okay day, beans though under pressure. December corn was two and three quarters higher, 464 and a half. March corn up two. 484 and three quarters. And we look over at uh, new crop, D's 24 corn. That was up one and a half at 513 and three quarters. In the soybean trade, January down 17 to three quarters, 1325. March beans down 16 to three quarters, 1345 and a half. And November 24 beans, 11 to three quarters lower, 1282 and a quarter. Soybean meal for the December contract down sixteen ninety a ton, four twenty five thirty. January bean meal down eleven thirty a ton at four twelve seventy. Let me look over at bean oil. December down ninety one points, fifty one thirty eight, and January bean oil was eighty one points lower, fifty one forty five. All right, the wheat trade, Chicago wheat, December, six and three quarters higher, five seventy-seven. March up four and three quarters, six oh two and three quarters. July Chicago wheat, three and a half higher, six twenty-eight and a quarter. Kansas City hard red winter wheat, December, one and three quarters higher on Friday, six forty-five. March, three and three quarters at the close, six forty six and three quarters. July KC wheat, three and a half higher, six fifty-six. Looking at spring wheat, December Minneapolis unchanged, 7.02 and a half. March was up three quarters, 7.30 and a quarter. July spring wheat, one and three quarters higher, 7.50 and a half. Oats, December up 20 and three quarters, 3.94 and three quarters. March oats up 14 to three quarters, 3.84 and three quarters. We saw canola down 11 to 19 in the front months uh, on the day on Friday as well. Moving lower uh, with the soy complex. Over in the cotton market, December down 98.7842. March cotton down 64.7942 on Friday. We saw deferred coffee higher. Front months were a little bit lower. Sugar, cocoa lower on the day. Orange juice was down. Lumber traded dollar $1 to fifty higher on the session. The dairy markets, we saw... Kind of a mixed bag there, right around unchanged in uh, milk and cheese and butter. Let's move over to livestock trade. Live cattle for December, 160 lower on Friday, 169.27. February live cattle, 270 lower, 169.12. We saw April down 280, 171.62, June live cattle down 265, 167.55. Feeder cattle, January 552 lower, 214.42. March down 535 at 217.22. April feeders down 550 17 and the hog trade December 17 lower 6860 February lean hogs 137 lower at 7010 April hogs down 97 7637 May hogs down 50 cents 8377 and last check the uh, lean hog index was down 18 7135 the feeder cattle index was up 252 at 22477 at last check And I just want to take a quick peek at uh, Cattle Country on the day Friday as we look at things there. uh, Just seeing a little bit of bid activity around 273 dressed in Nebraska, but looked like most of the trade was done for the week. All right, coming up next, we are going to talk more about what is happening in the markets as we wrapped up the week and moved into the month of December. We're going to be joined for market analysis by Christy Van On Shisith with Van On and Company. She'll join us next as we're back with more market talk on the way right after the break.
3: Make sure to subscribe to the Market Talk YouTube channel. You can watch our latest interviews with top market analysts in the country, find bonus content, and much more. It's easy. Just go to youtube.com slash at market talk egg and hit the subscribe button. Or you can search for Market Talk Egg on YouTube
1: bringing you the ag information you need. This is Market Talk. Now, back to Jesse Allen.
0: Well, as we wrapped up the week of market trade on Friday and technically officially started the month of December, quarter wheat found a little bit of continued strength to wrap up the week while soybeans and meal Pound pressure and, of course, the cattle market uh, continued to stay volatile. What else is new here this week? Joining us to talk about things, we welcome in Christy Van shes with Van On and Company for market analysis here today on Market Talk. Christy, good to catch up with you. Hope you had a great Thanksgiving. Hope things are well there in Minnesota.
3: Yeah, it is. It's been fantastic, and it's hard to believe it's already December. I, when you're writing the update, and you see that change in month you're like holy cow i mean this Mm -hmm. is just flying by
0: yeah the year is flying by no doubt and uh before we know it 2024 will be here and we'll be uh talking about a new year but we still got one month to go and uh you know end of the year is always an interesting time in the markets it could be volatile it can uh, be a time where a lot of folks uh try to wrap up their marketing for the year before we flip the calendar officially and uh It's been an interesting week in the market trade, to say the least. Um, I'll start with soybeans and meal, the big loser on the day, Friday. Uh, I know we've been watching South America weather pretty closely. I know we got a crush report out Friday, too, so i wondered if there was some influence there. I don't know. What's your take in soybeans? What what gives with the uh, pressure to round out the week?
3: Yes, we have to remember soybeans right now are in a growing season in South America where anytime there's weather built into that forecast – your or rain built in that forecast, you're going to start seeing some selling pressure, just like how it is here domestically into that June, July timeframe, even towards the end of July. As soon as you see those forecasts, whether that rain is actually going to happen or not, when you see that rain come in, that's when you start to see these people sell this market. And so there is rain starting to be forecasted for Brazil. Uh, the amounts, to be honest, I feel like are a little little bit limited, but regardless, you're seeing that show up and that's where you bring those selling pressure in. We have to remember that managed money has been aggressive sellers of commodities, corn, wheat, cattle markets, and they have not really been there for soybeans. And so if they really want to even up some positions, selling soybeans is probably going to be what they want to do. And we're seeing that happen right now. So I think a lot of this is managed money just due to the change in dynamic in Brazil. And then you're gonna come in here over the weekend and if the rains don't materialize, you're gonna see probably all this market come back plus some, right? But if we see those rains, we are gonna be on a defensive mode for a while. Extended forecasts for Brazil still offer the same situation that we've been in, which is too wet for the south, too dry and hot for the central to northern parts of Brazil. It seems like you also saw the dynamic shift from being a soybean focus to a corn focus for Brazil's Northern or or really those uh, key second corn crop areas. Mm-hmm. They really start planting more into that January, February timeframe. So you have a ways off, but we know if you're gonna continue to have issues in South America in those areas, it is going to spill over to be a corn story. They are already decreasing corn acres the way it is. so. Um, Even though they have a nice production estimate, it's off of last year's. And if we have issues continuing, you could see that further decline as well.
0: In terms of beans here, I think it was on Monday, maybe we bounced off that 200-day moving average at 1325 area support in January beans. I mean, if we see the rains materialize and maybe try to turn this market back down a little bit more, would that be kind of the target area you're looking for support here on January Beans? What do you think, Christy? Yeah,
3: 1330 has been a level that's held very good for these uh, soybeans. It didn't hold today at the close. So we're going to get a close below that level. Uh, As a firm, we've wanted to actually be buyers of beans between 13 and 1320, and we really haven't gotten that opportunity until today. So we think that there's still enough risk out there, weather premium risks out there to justify saying, hey, look at some calls, maybe possibly down no we're this area. I think $13 is gonna be that psychological level that'll hopefully hold this market. Just because domestically, we have tight supplies. Crush is profitable. I'm not sure, you know, they've decreased exports recently. I'm not sure you can really justify that. I think you're gonna have to start backtracking on that because we've had some really good uh, consistent sales. They have not been anything wow factor, but they've been consistent. Mm -hmm. They've really been adding up. And so I think that there's enough stories around this market we wanna be, but we've also been really aggressive on sales. And so part of that is just having some calls above just in case this market does take off over previous sales.
0: All right. Let's flip over to the corn market. Corn's had a couple decent days here this past week, and we kind of got uh, the D's corn, I know, delivery uh, period happening, uh, these March corn. I mean, decent update a couple days in a row here. What's your take of this corn market, though? Are we just kind of locking it away in the bin at this point? Anything else that we haven't sold or or marketed or taken to town at this point, Christy?
3: Yeah, I think so. You know, the corn market, I'm I'm very thankful we're seeing this market come back because I was a little bit concerned about corn. Um, The fundamentals behind corn are not pretty whatsoever. Um, We're going to battle that dog for quite some time because we are well above a 2 billion bushel carryout. So we are going to have a monthly report that consistently reminds us that we have a lot of corn in the U.S. So we can get all these other little stories. Um, You can get issues in South America. We can have our demand start to pick up. We know ethanol profitability is great. So we have these stories that give us the possibility and potential for a rally, but we are gonna get monthly reminders that we need this to sustain itself for high demand. And so for corn, what we did today is we started to look at some 24. You know, you look at these 24 corn, 512. I think a lot of guys are at the farm right now looking and saying, I don't want to sell any corn below $5. And now I'm seeing that potentially happen for my corn in the bin. I do not want to have to deal with it next year. So you can look at some tools to be using for 24, um, to be looking at some, some profitability above that $5. So we started to look at that, um, as far as corn goes, I think it's really riding on the back of wheat. You see KC wheat uh, 50 over 50 cents off its low. So corn, wheat all made new contract lows earlier in the week and are showing some great signs on the chart to rebound. And it's led by wheat. And typically, if we want to see something dig out of a hole, it does need to be led by wheat. And I think as long as wheat can be a friend of corn, corn can get up to some of those price counts hopefully five to 509 on March and then even for those deferred contracts coming back up to that 515
0: 525 level. And to your point there about looking at D's 24 corn, how aggressive are you getting on on 24 corn or or bean marketing here at this point? I know a lot of times we get to the end of the year, folks will, will kind of sit down, look at all their books, it's tax season, et cetera. But they'll also look at that marketing plan, I mean, you know, should we be thinking about getting super aggressive here at this point or, or at least dipping our toe in the water a little bit, Christy?
3: Yeah, we just moved to 30% on next year's corn marketing today. So we went from 20 to 30%. Um, we did it in a couple different ways you can sell, but most of ours got done in an option strategy of some way, somehow, um, depending on if you are tolerant to margin risk or not. That kind of decided where you're at. And so we did move on that. Um, we were aggressive when Note24 beans were above 13 that 13 to 1310 mark that's where we were aggressive here i had the conversation today with somebody um, and you know we're down into this 1280 to 1285 level i'm willing to kind of wait it out and see um, see if we can get back up to that 13 1310 before we really move on too much but regardless if this if these prices are profitable for you and you're locking in inputs it's not a bad idea to be looking at some form of downside if you don't have any on
0: Well, once again, we are joined today by Christy Van On. She with Van On and Company, and uh, Christy, we'll get you to hang with us here. We're going to talk more about what is happening in the market trade coming up here uh, in segment three. I know you brought up the wheat market, I want to talk about that some more, and Want to get your perspective on this cattle trade. A rough, rough day on cattle. We're seeing again on Friday. And so that is something we need to talk about a little more in depth. We'll touch on the hog market as well. So, uh, looking forward to uh, diving into that. We'll get you to hang with us. A few of the closes again from Friday. In that livestock trade, I mentioned a bad day in cattle. December live cattle down 160, 169.27. February live cattle 270 lower, 169.12. April down 280, 170, on Friday. Feeder cattle January 552 lower, 214.42. March feeders down 535, 217.22 on the day. And over in the hog trade December hogs down 17 6860 February down 137 at 7010 and April hogs down 97 76 37. meantime in the grain trade December corn was two and three quarters higher four sixty four and a half. and a half March corn Friday two higher 484 and three quarters soybeans January down 17 to three quarters 1325 March was down 16 to three quarters 1345 and a half Bean meal December down sixteen ninety a ton 30 January bean meal down eleven thirty a ton four twelve seventy bean oil December down ninety one points fifty one thirty eight January was down ninety one points at fifty one forty five Chicago wheat December six and three quarters higher five seventy seven March Chicago wheat four and three quarters higher six zero two and three quarters We look over at Kansas City wheat. For uh, the December contract, that was up 1 to 3 quarters, 6.45. March up 3 and 3 quarters, 6.46 and 3 quarters. Minneapolis spring wheat, we saw December unchanged, 7.02 and a half. March up 3 quarters, 7.30 and a quarter. We'll be back with more here on Market Talk on the way right after this.
4: When it comes to protecting your investment in fuel and diesel-powered equipment, Diesel X Gold from FS clearly beats other diesel fuels. New detergents disperse contaminants to prevent sludge that plugs filters and causes unexpected downtime. And now, better moisture handling chemistry helps ensure your fuel stays dry, reducing microbial growth and fuel line freeze-ups. So when you're deciding what fuel to use, choose Diesel X Gold, absolutely the best fuel to power and protect your diesel equipment. Contact your local FS Energy specialist today or visit GoFurtherWithFS.com.
1: Market information that matters to you on Market Talk. Now back to Jesse Allen.
0: We are having a conversation today with Christy Van On. She's with Van On and Company here on Market Talk. Christy, you brought up the wheat markets, and I want to talk about that a little more with you here. You mentioned the big rally in KC wheat. Uh, We got good winter wheat ratings here in the U.S. Uh, Chicago spring wheat have kind of followed along with KC wheat, it's felt like. And I know a lot of this chatter about Russia possibly putting on an export quota, China in the market looking for some HRW wheat. I mean, overall, what do you think the upside potential could be here in wheat? I guess to me, wheat's really surprised me this last week overall.
3: Yeah, wheat's a dog. It just doesn't want to get going and we're finally seeing those signs of it coming back to life. And so I think what you really have to do is is treat it on retracement counts and say, okay, let's go from high to low and, and, and pull up some retracement counts and say, as of now, this is kind of what we're looking at. So when we focus more on spring wheat for marketing, and we're really hoping that we get another crack around this $7.87 to $8 mark for some marketing. Now that's, you know, still a ways off when you're looking at it. The carry has helped. One of our biggest concerns here is carry decay. And what carry decay is, and it's pretty tried and true in these markets, is when you're contract goes off, your next contract finds a way to kind of slowly work its way down to the other one. So let's say for corn, for example, if this corn goes off um, around this 450 level and March is 480, you know, theoretically you see this March sort of bleed itself down to 450. So that's our major concern. And that's part of the reason why we've tried to be on top of things in the beginning is that if we're going to get this bounce a seasonal bounce in the next two weeks let's be aggressive before we kind of peter out and and hopefully not see that carry decay. But if we start to see that, let's utilize this front month kind of run that we're seeing right now. So we're hoping it gets back up to that 787 level for uh, Minneapolis wheat. And I think it has the stats behind it. Managed money's been really, really short. Um, So to see those kind of ease up on some positions, that would be great. The world dynamic has not really shifted at all. There's still so many issues around the world. You're talking about Russia and export bans. You're talking about that. You're talking about poor conditions in Australia. So there's so many aspects to wheat. It just seems like there's so many little stories. No one wants to make a big story out of it, if that makes sense.
0: Yeah, no, that does make total sense there. Well, a- another thing overall, uh, archy, overarching theme in the grains, I think, too, watch the outside markets. Crude's been volatile this week. We've had that OPEC Plus meeting and the production cut there and talked that Brazil's joining OPEC. And then uh, you throw in the stock market and the inflationary stuff. Uh, the Dow's been uh, looking strong this week. The dollar had its... Uh, Had a big up day earlier in the week. Uh, Outside market influence, anything out of those things standing out to you as far as a, a big influence here in the grain trade right now?
3: Yeah, I'm a little concerned that you're seeing people step away from commodities back into um, kind of your stock market situations, right? For so long, people kind of wanted to be part of commodities because of that talk of inflation, right? That's part of commodities we're inflating, people wanted to be part of it. But if we're getting to a point where we feel like inflation is starting to slow and we're feeling stronger about the economy, you may see that switch from people being interested in commodities going into the Dow. Um, Crude oil, talk about a classic buy the rumor, sell the fact. Mm. Crude oil just took off on the fact that OPEC was considering a cut. We got the cut plus some, and then the market completely sold off out out of that. And so, Mm -hmm. you know, we feel like when you're looking at crude oil, the range that we're at right now, anywhere from the 70 to $74 range, you should be having conversations with your fuel um, buyer about what your needs are. And I think that's one thing, you know, okay, You put your grain in the bin. You don't want to deal with grain marketing for the next two months. That's fine. But what you should be focusing on, though, over the next two months seasonally is your fuel needs. So make sure you're paying attention to that and having those conversations with your fuel buyer um, because seasonally coming up pretty soon is one of that better times to book some of your needs.
0: All right. Let's go over to livestock cattle. Christy, I can't can <laughs> make sense of. Yeah, can we not? I can't make sense of this market, honestly. He lost another little over five in feeder cattle again on Friday, two to three, in, in the fat cattle trade. I mean, it's just been a just been a carnival ride, so to speak, here. This futures trade since the uh, previous Friday, since after Thanksgiving, it's just been crazy to watch this cattle market. Any thoughts? Is this purely? I guess is this purely funds getting out of the market and now we're just seeing this whiplash until we find our support here? What do you think?
3: Yeah, I think it is a lot of funds. Like you wanna you wanna check how bold you are. You participate in the the cattle markets right now, right? That is not for the weak hearted. And the cash trade is actually holding on very well. I mean, we, I've had multiple conversations with guys that's not changing. People are looking to buy feeders right now, and that those prices aren't really changing. And so we're not seeing it. We're seeing it more in the futures board. And honestly, I think eventually that's going to be a huge opportunity for producers to see that the the futures board is such a discount to cash. Now we got to write it out. We got to see if those come together some way somehow. But it's pairing up to be a really big difference between the two of them. So that leads to manage money and saying manage money is being so aggressive right now. I think another problem with it is that when you see these aggressive movements, sometimes it brings out the worst emotions in a person. So, um, when you're thinking and you're saying, Hey, fundamentally, we know that there's tight supplies. All of a sudden you're starting to have these questions of, do we have tight supplies? Are we really that tight? Do we have those concerns now? we know cattle. You can't change the dynamic in a quick fashion. Grain markets, we get a new year every year. Not the same situation for cattle, but you're starting to have people have that conversation. And when they start to have that, you have people bring in and be even more sellers. I think the dynamic is the same. We're just dealing with manage money being really really aggressive on wanting to liquidate these positions they were long for quite some time it's a battle we're dealing with it's also cattle is a thinner market when you don't have a ton of participation we need somebody to be that buyer to step in and i think you'll eventually see that but it almost seems like no one wants to be that buyer until you start to see managed money slow down we've had a couple different times where it looks like possibly they will and then the next day you slide five bucks lower and the moves are so large that you're really taking out the smaller trader. Right now, a smaller mm. trader is looking at it and saying, I don't know if I have the stomach to be dealing with $6 moves on a consistent basis. So until you stop this volatility, until you see managed money kind of stop that liquidation, I think we're a little bit stuck here.
0: So how do we manage some of that emotion? And this might sound silly, but I mean, do we just ignore looking at the futures quotes for, for fats and feeders? And- Focus on on the cash market and what's going on at the sale bar and, and look at our own break evens, our own margins. I mean, again, that might sound silly to just not look at futures, but I mean, maybe that would help manage emotions here as we go through this time period. What do you think?
3: Yeah, I've had a lot of conversations about LPR, talking about your cattle insurance. Pretty much the way to look at it is almost like it's a subsidized put. And so I think that's the best way to start is saying, hey, if we're really concerned, if you're concerned, if you need something to sleep at night, go that route because it's a subsidized put. It's it's going Mm -hmm. to be cheaper than trying to do it in your own account. You can put a floor underneath yourself to know, hey, I I know that below this I'm protected. I would say that would be the first start as far as looking at trying not to panic and and participate. I also think the constant reminder that the cash really has not changed yet is really a driving force not to chase this market too much. Um, So I think that's also one of them. It's also been easy to look at the chart and say that two standard deviations away from trend line has been is a a pretty tried and true that not a lot of markets extend a lot past that. Our lows on cattle have been around that two standard deviation. Went a little bit lower in feeder cattle, kind of held it on live cattle. So we have that comfort there. Um, It's not for sure, but it should help for the meantime to keep some sellers from coming in too much because it just doesn't look good on the chart
0: hog trade i feel like uh just real quick i feel like it's kind of been following cattle we were down a little bit friday not as bad as cattle though Uh, any notes in in lean hogs right now christy
3: yeah talking about two standard deviations like cattle mark or hog markets are like the dream for that one so if you look at feb um came to 1.2 standard deviations and um your deferred contracts hit two standard deviations on the the dot and found buyers. So that market is kind of that same situation, except I feel like we've seen better progress bouncing off of those lows, where we haven't seen quite the follow through that we've had into the cattle markets. So those deferred contracts are actually looking really good on the chart right now, your Febs, your Aprils, your Junes for the hogs. When I talk about two standard deviations, if you remember back to like classes, when you think of your bell chart, and how at the very ends, it's so thin, you don't have a lot of occurrences there. That's kind of what you're looking like on a chart is that yes, it can happen, but the likelihood of a lot of trade above and below those levels is just not statistically there.
0: All right, final thoughts as we wrap it up here today, Christy, anything else you wanna mention or reiterate to folks today?
3: Yeah, I I don't wanna sound like a broker right now, but I'm gonna sound like a broker for a quick second. And that's when it comes to corn, corn uh, option volatility is so limited corn options are so cheap in our opinion right now, that to take advantage of them to use in your marketing, I think is huge to be looking at saying, hey, I might have to make some corn sales sooner than I thought. Um, Utilize some calls. Um, There's some conversations out there that are very, very bullish corn. And I'm not saying that can't happen. But I do think that it's a little bit uh, risky to be um, risking that much on the hopes that this market runs. And so I think you could make some good choices on the cash side, especially because on a friendly basis as we finish out this year into the beginning, especially at ethanol plants, that you could utilize that. And then those options are very cheap right now for corn to really add to your marketing plan.
0: Christy, if folks have questions, they want to reach out to you and the team there at Van On and Company. I know they can get hold of you easily. How can they reach you?
3: Yeah, you can call us at 1-800-648-5494.
0: And I know they could find you online, too, at vanonco.com. Christy Van on, she sits with Van On & Company. Thanks for joining us on Market Talk today, and we will talk to you again soon. Thank you. All right, we will take a look at some news headlines and wrap things up here today for Market Talk. We'll do that on the way right after this.
3: Make sure to subscribe to the Market Talk YouTube channel. You can watch our latest interviews with top market analysts in the country, find bonus content, and much more. It's easy, just go to youtube.com slash at Market Talk Egg and hit the subscribe button, or you can search for Market Talk Egg on YouTube.
1: Keeping you informed with the latest market information for your operation, this is Market Talk. Now, back to Jesse Allen.
0: And Welcome back to Market Talk. Thanks for sticking with us. Appreciate Christy Van On. She sits with Van On & Company joining us for our market analysis as we wrapped up uh, the trade for the week on Friday and officially entered the final month of the year. Crazy to think that it is December already. Well, let's take a look at some news headlines before we wrap it up here today. And USDA has released their farm income forecast and it shows a drop in 2023 farm income. The Economic Research Service released its annual farm sector income forecast report, and it shows that lower number. Act Secretary Tom Vilsack says while net farm income will drop below the record high in 2022, it's one of the best years on record for the overall farm sector at $151.1 billion dollars. Vilsack says, quote, in fact, net cash farm income for 2023 is 15% above average for the last two decades And farm income over the 21-23 period represents the highest level of farm income in the last 50 years. U.S. ag exports have also seen the three highest years on record in 21 through 23, and 2024 is projected to be the fourth highest year on record despite potential declines, end quote. Now, a bright spot for farmers is that some production costs, including feed, fertilizer, and pesticides, have declined. Data also shows that off-farm income is needed to make ends meet. Now, according to American Farm Bureau economist Danny Munch, he says the picture is a little brighter than the August predictions, but not much.
1: In the August reports, USDA forecasted that farm income from 2022 would drop 23%, a 41 billion drop from 2022. In this new November report, they adjusted that number, 41 billion to 31.8 billion, which is a 17% drop from 2022. In total, that would give you a total net farm income of 151 billion dollars for 2023 compared to the 141 billion estimated previously in August.
0: He talks about some of the main factors behind the revisions.
1: The most significant revisions are attributable to lower production expenses compared to what they estimated in August. There's still a $14.9 billion expected increase in what farmers are paying for production expenses, which is about 4%, but that's 7% lower than what they forecasted in the August release.
0: And Munch says there is some good news about the forecast, though overall it is a mixed bag.
1: For all categories, except fuels and oils, electricity and interest expenses. Uh, They adjusted their numbers downward. Things like fertilizer, pesticides, seeds, those all saw decreases from what they estimated that farmers would be paying. Electricity, fuels, oils, interest expenses all saw increases. So those are things farmers saw upward adjustments and are going to pay more for in 2023 than they estimated previously.
0: And again, that's comments with American Farm Bureau economist Danny Munch as USDA released its annual farm sector income forecast and predicting uh, one of the best years on record with farm sector income at $151.1 billion, according to USDA. Well, Farm Bureau Chief Economist Roger Cryan testified on behalf of the group's membership at the Federal Milk Marketing Order Pricing Formula Hearing, his testimony underscored the need for updating Class 1 and Class 2 price differentials to bring fairness for farmers Back into the federal milk marketing orders, Class 1 differentials are meant to incentivize the movement of milk to where it's demanded and assist in maintaining regional production capacity in a manner that provides consumers with consistent access to fresh milk. The Class 2 differential is meant to represent the higher value of Class 2 milk, which is used in dairy products like ice cream, cottage cheese, and sour cream, while Class 4 milk is used in butter and dairy products. Kryan said in his testimony, quote, our proposal is the reduction or elimination of negative producer price differentials and the de-pooling they cause. An orderly pool is key for orderly marketing, end quote. Well, it was a first for sustainable aviation fuel, a 100% SAF transatlantic test flight from London to New York, and it has the ethanol industry smiling. Virgin Atlantic says its flight to New York's JFK International Airport was powered by fuel from plant sugars and waste fats and emitted 70% less carbon than oil-based jet fuel. Renewable Fuels Association head Jeff Cooper says it was a milestone for the ethanol industry.
5: That transatlantic flight is really a big deal for the industry. It is a major milestone. This is the first time we've seen that sort of flight powered by 100% sustainable aviation fuel.
0: And while some of the media consider the Virgin Atlantic SAF flight a stunt, since standard jet engines aren't designed for pure SAF... Cooper strongly disagrees.
5: Well, it isn't just a stunt. This is something we're going to see become commonplace in the years ahead. We are probably still several years away from seeing SAF used on a broad basis, especially at a 100% level blend. But most sustainable aviation fuel being produced today is chemically identical to the petroleum-based jet fuel that it's replacing.
0: Meantime, SAF is considered a drop in fuel that could extend standard jet fuel.
5: So you can blend it in with uh, kerosene-based jet fuel today. Again, typically the level that we see most commonly is 50%, but obviously this project has demonstrated you can go all the way to 100%.
0: Now, separately, the ethanol industry is hailing Iowa's filing of a motion for summary judgment to force EPA to finalize its rule already more than a year late to allow Iowa and six other Midwestern states to sell E15 year-round. Well, news on that coming as well here this past week as EPA plans to issue a final E15 rule by March 28th of 2024, and they have asked a federal court to allow the agency to meet that deadline in a motion for summary judgment filed this week. According to a DTN article, this would result in applying the same volatility limitations to both E15 and E10, essentially putting them on the same footing in states including Iowa, Illinois, Minnesota, Missouri, Nebraska, Ohio, South Dakota, and Wisconsin. Now, by law, EPA was required to set that waiver aside and to finalize a rule within 90 days of the request originally back in 2022 and in the motion filed this week in the U.S. District Court for the District of Southern Iowa, EPA admits the court has the power to force the agency to act since it violates the Clean Air Act provisions on such requests. Now, the EPA asked the court to consider what is reasonable in setting a deadline for an E-15 rule to be finalized. The agency said the rulemaking is the first time EPA has promulgated a final rule under this provision of the Clean Air Act so we'll continue to watch that situation closely in regards to year-round E15 being seen in the Midwest all right well we are out of time here on Market Talk today that's going to do it for the show thank you for joining us and uh, letting us be part of your daily conversation as we talk about the markets and issues impacting rural America have a great rest of your day I'm Jesse Allen thanks for listening to Market Talk
4: When it comes to protecting your investment in fuel and diesel-powered equipment, Diesel X Gold from FS clearly beats other diesel fuels. New detergents disperse contaminants to prevent sludge that plugs filters and causes unexpected downtime. And now, better moisture handling chemistry helps ensure your fuel stays dry, reducing microbial growth and fuel line freeze-ups. So when you're deciding what fuel to use, choose Diesel X Gold, absolutely the best fuel to power and protect your diesel equipment. Contact your local FS Energy specialist today or visit GoFurtherWithFS.com.
3: Make sure to subscribe to the Market Talk YouTube channel. You can watch our latest interviews with top market analysts in the country, find bonus content and much more. It's easy. Just go to youtube.com slash at Market Talk Egg and hit the subscribe button. Or you can search for Market Talk Egg on YouTube.